Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jeremy and team. Uh, before I get to the message, I, I just want to uh, add my, well, my announcement to Jonathan earlier in this service about next Sunday. It's really a very special service for me personally. That's why I seldom miss it. And in a time when so many people are bad-mouthing this country, we're going to be thanking God for this country. Amen. 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 And so I'd encourage you, bring your friends, those who have served uh, in the military, and if you can, fit in your uniform, as I often say, <laughs> wear it, please, with honor and with pride in the God who made this country to be possible. This is a, a, a vine that God has planted right in this place, in this, between those two oceans. And I, as an immigrant to this country, I'm grateful to be in this country. And so, it is our thanksgiving to God. This is not, as we've been accused often, blind nationalism. This is a love for what God has made. And in thanksgiving for those who have served so faithfully. So, this is uh, something I just encourage you to do. Uh, pray that God will literally be honored because that's the desire of our hearts. When, uh, after that, I will, I was sharing with uh, our leaders downstairs at prayer time, and, um, and I just give you up to date where I will be, what I'm doing, and uh, as many of you know that I do take uh, most of July as a vacation, and during my vacation, I will be working with our team in England. <laughs> And in many preparations for our Dublin and Belfast Crusades, they're going to be first and second, first and third of September. Please pray for that. We pray that God would ignite a spark. My wife, who follows the news from the UK on a regular basis. She brings me up to date. And so much of it would make you want to weep of what's happening. We weep for all what's happening in this country. But it's even worse in the country where so many of God's missionaries and, and the people who impacted the world have come from. And now, less than 50% in the UK would call themselves even Christians. And so, this is a desire of our hearts where God invites, we go as my colleague Chad would tell you, wherever we get invited, we don't go and beat doors down, but we've been invited to come to uh, Belfast and, and London, will be at the convention, uh, Dublin will be at the convention center in, in Dublin on the 1st of September, then the convention center of Belfast on the 3rd of September. But I'm going up, uh, my wife and I will be up there meeting with the pastors, 400 pastors in each place who have been working hard, mobilizing their churches to bring the unsaved, and so that we, God can, can do His work. Uh, so we, if you pray for us, uh, we would be deeply appreciative. Father, without you, I can 
or we can, all of us, and certainly I can do nothing, earn nothing, accomplish nothing, but we can do all things through the Christ who strengthens us. And so empower us in these last days to be faithful to you and to your word. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I should have actually said also that when I come back in August, I'll be preaching a series on the Tower of Babel and the World Economic Forum. <laughs> so that, that gets you. <laughs> whenever, those, whenever those Tower of Babel start rising, they want to replace God. What reminded me of what Tom in his prayer, that every group that would rise to try to replace God they pay for it. And I'm going to show you in August as we be back praying for our students. A friend of mine told me a story, and I had shared it with you many years ago, that I have never forgotten. And it's a story about a wonderful Christian lady who went to see her pastor. And she said to him, she said, I'm leaving the church. Well, he, of course, he was sorrowful for that and disappointed at the news. And then he asked her the question, can I ask you why? She said, yes, I can tell you very simply. Uh, your congregation are constantly gossiping about you and others. Uh, they are constantly criticizing the church leadership. They are constantly saying terrible things behind people's back. Upon this news, of course, the pastor became very discouraged. But then he quickly recovered, and he said to this fine Christian lady, he said, can you do me a great favor before you leave? She said, sure. What is it? He said, can you take this glass of water? It is filled to the brim. And can you walk with it all around the church campus? without spilling it, and then bring it back to me. She said, sure, I can do that. And so she takes this glass of water full to the brim, and she walks around the church campus and comes back to the pastor. She hardly spilt another drop of that water. And so she comes back to the pastor, and he says to her, how come you never spilt a drop of water? even though this glass is full. She said, well, that's simple. I have never taken my eyes off the glass of water as I walked around the campus. Never took my eyes off the glass of water. He said to her, now I'm going to ask you to do yourself a favor. Wherever you go, do not take your eyes off of Jesus. I think most of us can testify, I know I can, that the times of discouragement and the times of disappointment and the times when we get down in the dumps are the times when we have taken our eyes off of Jesus. I have. In fact, I remember back when I was 17 years old and 
brand new believer and was very excited. Some of you heard me tell this. The man who discipled me, the first person was an illiterate man and domestic and, and just a long story, but it was a, I learned so much from that man before I went and sat under great theologians. He was, he was a, one of the greatest theologians. And he said something to me that I've still lives with me to this day. He said, if you ever want to fall and stumble, keep your eyes on the church leaders. He said, the bigger they are, the greater your fall. We've been looking at these encouraging words in discouraging times from the, from the Psalms. As I conclude this short series of messages, turn with me, please, to Psalm 119. Yeah, you heard me right. Psalm 119. Jeremy already told you. I can see gasps and nervous laughter. For those of you who know that Psalm 119 is 176 verses, <laughs> and it's divided into 22 different sections. Each section is numbered not by numbers, one, two, three, but the, the, the Hebrew alphabet. You see them there in your Bible, the Hebrew alphabet. For example, the letter A is, in Hebrew is Aleph, and the B is Beth, and so on. Each of these 22 sections, they have different emphasis. But all of them have to do with the importance of the Word of God. The importance of the Word of God and giving us comfort in the times of need, in keeping us from sin. The importance of being thankful for the Word of God. How important is the Word of God to us to understand it and to value it and to cherish it, and to live by it. Now that I got some of you panicking and thinking I'm covering the whole psalm, I want you to look at verse 9 to 16. That is the second section, Bath or B. In the Pew Bible, I'm told this chapter, page 957. I hope my information is correct. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that came out of your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as I rejoice in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. In this section, Psalm 119, it places the emphasis 
on the protection of the Word of God. The protection of the Word of God. When the Word of God finds or places deep roots inside of us, when the Word of God finds a home inside of us, when the Word of God is constantly dwelling on the inside of us, uh, we will be constantly encouraged, especially when we are surrounded by discouraging news, especially when we are constantly hearing, discovering, discouraging news. Beloved, it is not by accident that this second section about the protection of the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God dwelling in us is section Beth or B. Beth in Hebrew is the word house, from which we get Bethlehem, the house of bread, or Bethel, the house of God, and so on. The psalmist wanted us to know that whenever we're frazzled, whenever we're frustrated, whenever we're flustered, whenever we get the bubbles in this life, the only safe place to return to is where we have housed the Word of God. The only true peace that you can experience and I can experience is when God's Word finds a home, a bath in our hearts. Why? Because only the Word of God can protect us from the enemy of our soul. Only the Word of God will strengthen us in times of temptations. Only the Word of God will sustain us when we are under pressure. Only the Word of God will heal our wounded spirit and bind our broken hearts. Only the Word of God can do all of that. And that is why the Apostle Paul could say, let the Word of God dwell richly where? In your hearts. Hear me right, please. There is a world of difference between fighting the enemy on your own strength and fighting the enemy with God's strength and the Word of God. The world of difference. Listen, I can testify to you, I've done both. <laughs> and hands down, <laughs> hands down, every time I fight with my own strength, I fall flat on my face. I want to illustrate from the physical realm and then go into the spiritual realm. <laughs> from the physical realm, something that I personally experienced. Before 2009, uh, I was always going through these crash diets. Uh, I would uh, take off a few pounds, and then I'll put them back on, and then some more. I know some of you struggle with what you understand this. Until God, one day, one morning that I will never forget, as I'm sitting down having my devotion, reading the Word of God, until the Word of God convicted me one day that what I need to do is to change my lifestyle. It was soon after I turned 60. Back in 2009, He gave me a word from the Word to strengthen me to make the change. And the Lord literally was rebuking me and saying, you tell people that they can overcome anything by my strength, and yet you are not able to do that. That was a huge rebuke. Well, what a blessing rebuke it was. Question, what I was doing before? See, I was, res I was resisting the devil. 
otherwise to me was, is known as sugar. <laughs> that's, that's my demon. <laughs> With my own strength. If I try to resist and overcome with my own will and determination, it can only last for a short period of time. It would take one step forward and two steps back. Now I apply that to the spiritual realm, from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. That's why Psalm 119, 9 to 16 is telling us two very important powers for living. Two very important powers that God gives us, that the Word of God gives us. And here they are. First, the Word of God has an indescribable power to overcome discouragement, verses 9 to 12. And the second, what the Word of God does and the power of the Word of God does, it gives us an incalculable. Why is it incalculable? Because the Your computer cannot compute that. Incalculable preeminence in overcoming all of discouragements and temptations of life. Verses 13 to 16. Those who have been following this series of messages, a few weeks ago I started with four points, and then I went to three points, and today I'm giving you only two. First, the indescribable power to overcome discouragement. Why am I calling it indescribable? Because I can tell you this, and all of you would testify to that, you cannot describe it to somebody else. You cannot say, here it is, and you say, yeah, I got it, great. No, you have to experience it personally. Uh, What would that power do? Verse 9, it tells you. In verse 9, it tells you that this power cleanses us. In verse 10, it tells us that this power controls us. In verse 11, it tells us that this power corrects us. It cleanses. It controls us, and it corrects us. How can a young person, or old person for that matter, keep his or her way pure? By the ability to use the power of the Word of God. How can you use it? By commitment to obeying it, and not by your own grit. No. There are many times I said, God, I love you, and I want to obey you with all my heart, but I can't do it. You have to empower me to do it, and God will. That's one prayer He'll answer. Now, beloved, when it comes to our character, to our conduct, and to our visceral response to our circumstances, no amount of goodwill, no amount of good intentions, no amount of good uh, uh, efforts will help us to stay pure. But the best borax (laughs) that cleanses the best ammonia that purifies, the best detergent that keeps us from all sorts of disappointments and temptations and discouragement is found where? What the Word of God does, it, it, it helps us put up a, a guardrail around our thoughts, around our thoughts, because that's where it starts. That's where everything begins, in the thoughts. That's where the problems start. Everything is in, begins in the thought. And that's where 
the attack begin, whether it's from the flesh or it's from the enemy of our soul, or both. So that's when the armor of God comes in and begins to put a guard around us. The Word of God then reminds us that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that God and God alone will have the last words, and that you and I are redeemed, blood-bought children of the living God, that we have a special place in the heart of God. (coughs) The Word of God reminds us that we are not a feather in the wind. We're not a feather in the wind. No, no, we are not just nameless and faceless people, aimless people. No, but we are ambassadors of the King of Kings. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, dwelling in us and His Word, take His Word that He authored, and He imprints it on our hearts and in our minds. And that's why we need to do this. Listen to me. We need to turn the television news off. I tell you, I mean, it's so depressing. Even sometimes I'm, I'm reading the Bible on my iPhone, and a new news line pops up. I've got to get my, uh, uh, my colleague to change that. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you don't have to look for it. It's right there. Turn the news off. Unplug the Internet if you have to. Stop listening to the doomsayers. And remember that we are destined to glory. And the earlier we begin to fill our minds and thoughts and time with the Word of God, the greater the impact, not only through our life, but later in life specifically. The earlier we begin to make our hearts and minds a home for the Word of God, the more powerful and more victorious we become. Now, I know, I know, I know. Sometimes bad seeds have been planted, and I'm aware of the fact that everybody comes from a a good Christian home and and where the Word of God is planted. I I thank God, and I tip my hat to a lot of the young parents in this church who constantly uh, planting the good Word of God in their children. But sometimes somebody grew up in a home where the good seed of, of the Word of God was not planted. Instead, there were bad seeds of anxiety and worry and fear and, and all kinds of hopelessness and, 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 and doom and gloom. I understand that. I really do. But you can overcome at any age. You can come at any time, overcome at any time by saturating your thoughts with the Word of God. And that is why our children ministry here literally are here to empower the parents to help children at starting at the age of two to plant the seed, good seeds of the Word of God. Please listen to me. Listen to me. That breaks my heart as much as I know it breaks many of your hearts. There are evil people all around us who are trying to hijack our children from the age of kindergarten. They want to hijack them from us. Uh, just this week, a big demonstration in New York and saying, we're here, we're queer, and we're going we're gonna to go ki- after your kids. Openly. They're open about it now. In many ways, it's good because we now see evil. They can't pretend anymore. Even government officials, some 
weird government officials claiming that our children are theirs. Creepy government officials. <laughs> no one a million knows. But thank God we can still resist the evil one and by the power of the Word of God. The indescribable power of the Word of God does not only cleanse us, but it controls us. Look at verse 10. With my whole heart I sought you. Do not let me wander from your word. And he's praying that God would keep him under the control of the word of God. Young or old, listen to me. Sometimes we think, especially young people, and I know we're coming to end of the school year now. We have come to school. The new year will be starting soon. Time flies. And some of just can't wait to leave home and go and get some freedom. <laughs> I did that when I was young. I know some of you young people don't think I've ever been young. <laughs> but trust me, I was. I mean, I could not wait to leave home and do my thing. And when I found myself literally 10,000 miles away from home, nobody knows me. I could have dropped dead and nobody would know it. I was, had all the freedom in the world, but because of my family has planted the good seeds of the Word of God, because mentors and Sunday school teachers have planted the good seeds of the Word of God in my heart, because they drilled the Word of God into my mind and, and my heart at an early age, so much so that when the so-called independence and freedom came, the good seeds of the Word of God that they drilled in me, kept me from evil. They kept me from evil. You know, when Daniel and his friends, listen to me, when Daniel and his friends were not too far away from home, in fact, I think if you calculate, there's about a thousand miles between Israel and Babylon. When Daniel and his friends were taking captives in Babylon, it was a short distance, but they were a million miles away culturally a million miles away spiritually, a million miles away in every sense of the word. But because the seeds of the word of God, the good seed was planted in them, they were able to withstand the godless pressure of the king's college in Babylon. Why? Because they sought to treasure the word of God in their hearts. And when our children see us placing guards on our thoughts and our actions, they will, be do, they will do the same. They will not be help, cannot help it but do the same. The indescribable power of the Word of God not only cleanses, not only controls, but thirdly, it corrects. <laughs> That's one thing we really, really don't like. I know. Listen, I'm still made of flesh and blood. Correction or discipline, they're not very popular. Oh, they're not welcome. They're not very popular. Not in our culture. That's not part of the Word of God that we like. That's why some preachers are saying, let's get unhitched from that part that you don't like. We don't want to be corrected. 
We don't want to be rebuked. We don't want to be instructed. We don't want to be disciplined. But I can tell you, and God is my witness, the moments and the times when the Word of God rebuked me, when the Word of God corrected me, when the Word of God challenged me, these are the greatest part of my Christian walk. Oh, not at the time. I was level with you. Even the Bible said, the Scripture said, no discipline appears to be pleasant at the time. But when I look back, I say, oh, thank you, Lord. My goodness, the fruit and the result is indescribable. So the indescribable power of the Word of God cleanses us. It controls us. Are they going to put that on the screen? It corrects us. Oh? No? Okay. Secondly, uh, the Word of God has incalculable preeminence in its power. Okay, they went the easy way. That power, the preeminent power of the Word of God lifts us up in the times of discouragement, in the times of depression, in the time of when we feel everything is just going wrong. Look at verses 13 to 16. Listen to me, please. Our generation might know the price of everything, but they seem to be unable to, to understand the value of anything. Oh, but the value of the Word of God is incalculable. You cannot compute it on your best computer. Now, I want to give you three exercises because I don't want to confuse you. I want to make it simple so all of our elementary school students, and many of them take notes, I want to make it very simple. So I want to give you three exercises, okay? Three exercises about the Word of God, the power of the Word of God. Himirat, please. To treasure the Word of God is great. It's wonderful. But you can't stop there. You can't stop there. For the Word of God to have preeminence in our lives, we have to apply it into our lives. Sometimes, not daily, but several times a day. Let me simplify it even further. <laughs> I, 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 I want to make it so simple. Everybody at the sign of my voice will understand it. To have a headache medicine in the medicine cabinet is great. <laughs> but it's not good enough if you don't use it when you have a headache. Having money in the bank, wonderful. God bless you. But it's not enough if you don't know how to make withdrawals <laughs> to get it out and use it when you need it. Lots of Bible-believing Christians in America would agree that the, about the importance of the Word of God, but only 18% of them read it and apply it. Would that make you weep? That's me. Years ago, I knew a man who diligently memorized the Scripture, but his life was in shambles. What's wrong with that picture? 
And the answer to that question brings me to those three exercises. I pray God will apply them to our lives and, and, and use them. First exercise is in verse 13. Verse 13, first exercise. Speak the Word of God. It all starts with S, so you don't forget them, okay? Speak the Word of God. Second exercise, verses 14 and 15, savor the Word of God. Thirdly, third exercise, verse 16, substantiate the Word of God in your life. The psalmist said, with my lips. With my what? With my what? I have told of all your ordinance that came out of your mouth. Beloved, reading the Word of God rightly, meditating on the Word of God rightly, saturating your mind on the Word of God rightly, all these are absolutely wonderful. But if you do not speak it, if you do not verbalize it aloud, it cannot have the same impact. Now, I think I am safe in saying this. Most of the wonderful Bible teachers that we have in, in there with the home group leaders and the, all the Bible teachers in, in, in this place, and I thank God for all of you, I think they would testify. They will testify to you that they get more out of their teaching when they speak it than their hearers. I know that experientially because I am absolutely sure that you're not getting as much benefit from my preaching as I'm getting it from my preaching. Sometimes I wonder how blessed you are by, by hearing. Not speaking. I'm sure some of you are saying, Michael, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we all going to be teachers now? Yes. <laughs> yes. How? By sharing what you learned from the Word of God with your family, with your friends, with anyone who would listen. <laughs> By speaking and verbalizing what you have learned from the Word of God, we will make it sink deeper into your heart, into your life, by sharing how the Word of God guided you out of dark pit, the dark times, uh, by verbalizing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, how it lifted you out of discouragements in life. I do this all the time with my family. By speaking the Word of God, you are strengthening and is strengthening your inner person far more than just reading it. The second exercise. <laughs> savoring, treasuring. The word savoring, if we look at verse 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Think about this for a long time, not just, I mean, that go for days, weeks thinking about this. Okay, I'm going to give you permission to go into fantasy land, okay? <laughs> just, just please, humor me. I have no rights, I have no authority, but I'm just going to encourage you. God is not going to be upset with you if you just close your eyes and go into fantasy land. 
And imagine that this afternoon you're going to get a phone call. And somebody says to you, your great uncle that you did not know existed had just left you $10 million. He died and left you an inheritance. $10 million. What do you do? You call your pastor. <laughs> no, there's no such luck, all right? <laughs> I understand. But look, let's be realistic. You're excited. You're elated. You're thrilled. You tell your family. You tell your best friends. I mean, you're celebrating, and rightly so. And the psalmist is saying, that's how I feel about the Word of God. I treasure it. That's one of my biggest grief is when I hear people maligning the Word of God. When you discover strength and power in the Word of God, it's like you've inherited a fortune and be just as excited about the Word of God. You're so overwhelmed and you can't wait to tell everybody, except the IRS. <laughs> Not about the Word of God. But. So, speak it. What's the first one? Second, thirdly, substantiate it in your life. How? Well, verse 16 gives us the answer. Thank God I don't have to come up with answers. By letting it be demonstrated in my life, by proving it in my life. Look, we don't operate or believe on the personal experience our authority is the Word of God, not the experience. But if the Word of God is real, it's going to be validated in your experience. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me give you a simple illustration from the psalmist. You know the story of David. There are very few people he would not know, young or old. You know how David was on the run for years. And Saul, king, the king, and his mighty army running after this one Saul with a motley crew, a very tiny, small motley crew. And he's running, and he's tired, and he's, he wants freedom and longing, longing for freedom just to get a break from this kind of chasing all the time and chasing all the time. They're looking for an opportunity to be free. free from all of his troubles, free from all his pain and suffering. I think all of us would want that, right? So the opportunity came where David can be free. The opportunity came when David finally fulfills the Word of God in his life. They come into the cave, and they see Saul and his military geniuses <laughs> They're all deep sleep, in deep sleep. I mean, I'm not talking about just sleeping. They were dead to the world. A bomb wouldn't have woken them up. Ah, here's his chance. This is his opportunity, right? Now he can get victory. Now 
He can have freedom from all the stuff that's going on. Now, this is his chance to kill King Saul, and he become king, fulfilling the very anointing that, ki- the prof- that the prophet Samuel spoke over his life and anointed him with oil many years earlier. Ah, I can help God fulfill his will. Hello. God given opportunity. Right? Wrong. Wrong. David did not only treasure the Word of God in his heart, but he demonstrated it in his life. He demonstrated in his life. David not only knew the Word of God, loved it and treasured it, but he had an opportunity to apply the Word of God in his life to demonstrate the Word of God in his life. (laughs) Even at a humongous cost for him. Because he knew that the Word of God also said, harm not God's anointed. Touch not God's anointed. Knowing what the Word of God said is good, but not good enough. Substantiating the Word of God honors God and blesses God, and it blesses you. Beloved, listen to me. I'm about to finish. Sometimes shortcuts and short-term gain can deprive us of a long-term blessing. Applying or substantiating the Word of God may delay your happiness. Are you with me? But it will bring you eternal joy. Can I get an amen? Amen. Stand up with me, please, as we bless the Lord in prayer. As every eye is closed and every head is bowed, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you and says, that message is for you, I'm not going to ask you to come down. Just put your hands up so I can pray with you and for you. This is word for you. You need to get back into my word. This is God's way of saying, now affirm this decision publicly. Father, I pray for every precious person who raised their hand this morning. In the name of Jesus, Father, let your Holy Spirit come, empower them, strengthen them. When they fail, come and renew them and forgive them. Father, in the name of Jesus, may everyone at the sound of my voice begin to treasure your Word, to love your Word, to speak your Word, to savor your Word, and Father, to substantiate your Word in their lives. For I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and lead us. Thank you, Jeremy.